0: The Maniacs. You're listening Woo-hoo! to uh, episode 401 of the Shop Talk Show. We're in the future now, Chris. I'm uh, uh, feeling like we're in the future. We are. We are covered in lasers. We are. This is great. This is just. Just a yeah. Three D podcast we, we, now.
1: We crossed a threshold with 400.
0: Yeah, we're yeah, we're broadcasting in VR now. You know, only VR. We're only. V- <laughs> Just our two floating heads in VR. That's what we do now. That's a, that's our whole podcast. That's fine. And
1: if you happen to get the MP3 version of this, then it's just because we use progressive enhancement.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's progressively enhanced in the VR space. That's not true at all. But that would be cool. Anyway.
1: I, uh, Chris, it was suggested that we skip episode 404, which was hilarious. Yeah. And maybe we should do that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I, I really...
1: <laughs> I, I was
0: like seems apropos or yeah you know, maybe, yeah maybe maybe it's a surprise i don't know maybe there's a surprise cooking winks at podcast editor chris ends wink so yeah who knows we don't maybe know nobody will care so, it just will
1: be funny um i had a dream about about foldable phones you know as I, I know they're coming out and my inst my reaction was like I, I could care less about this you know but i think it was after <laughs> jen's because she was talking about there's like some CSS possibly coming that like lets web developers know like i don't know how many pixels down the fold happens or something again i can't i don't i can't grok it quite right now why you'd care about that but okay fine you know like there's better to have the control than not i guess but what do you think are they cool like what if you, if there was a really good one would you would just the folding of it like entice you to care about it
0: well so okay so I, I'm going to start with a link. Zohir, Z O U H I R slash spanning CSS polyfill over on the GitHub uh, is uh, this is uh, works at Edge, um, and Edge is proposing this for their new devices, the Duo and the Neo, right? Okay. Those foldable phone, that foldable phone, and the foldable tablet. They kind of uh, proposed, and there's an explainer or the the. GitHub actually shows like what they're talking about, like a single fold horizontal and a single fold vertical, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. these sort of like pseudo element sort of things, or or this is sort of like a new CSS property, um, uh, and the idea is you like use these. And and there's environment variables, oh, too. Oh, I so get like, it. This is I, a good
1: explainer. Because where you fold yeah. it does matter. Because let's say you want to show some special stuff on the left of that fold and some special stuff on the right of that fold. I was I was thinking more vertically, but left and right almost makes more sense. Then there's an environment variable that's like, you should make the size available, for example, in a Flexbox layout, as wide as that left or right section is. That's kind of nice, right. actually.
0: right. So, you know, I'm curious how this works. I actually tried to set up the emulator yesterday and it was like, you need to be on like insider version of visual studio code and all this stuff. And I just was like, mm. or visual studio, big boy, not code, um, to make a polyfill work.
1: That's weird.
0: Well, to like do the emulator, the windows 10 mm. X emulator. Um, and so I just gave up, uh, but I'll maybe pick it up. Cause I'm interested in this, um, uh, on two levels it's new css that's kind of neat um and and to be fair like microsoft is a client of ours so like full disclaimer there but like uh i you know i have i bought the the ipad pro 11 you know what i'm talking about the ipad pro is it super big is really it's it's big and it's nice it's beautiful mm. be- just a beautiful black rectangle why do middle. you have it well, I like it. I like the form factor, and mm. I'm like reading comics and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But I, I don't know that it's the perfect device. Like, it just it's you know it's clumsy to hold. Holding it with one hand is perilous mm. in bed because it'll just fall mm. on your face. And like you know, like so, I'm like maybe these folding things are cool. Like that's what my brain is saying. You know,
1: Or mine or is like too. Listen- kind of. So the form the form factor is, I don't know. Like it almost. Like it's too precious devices now, and in a, to some degree a foldable is like they still look great, but somehow they feel like more durable because they're less precious somehow that like that maybe that's yeah. the future like looks good, but it's still just a piece of plastic, you know
0: or just it's like a almost like a I mean, it's like a moleskin or something. one thing I always do and this this is where my brain's going. like one thing I always do is I'll listen to audiobooks right on uh my phone. And then like, I'll hear something cool, like some quote or something. I'm like, Oh, I got to write that down. Mm. So then I like open up the notion app and I start typing and that takes forever to open. But anyway, <laughs> notion eventually opens and I start typing and then I'm like, Oh crap. What, what is it? So I go back to the audio thing and then I like rewind it and then I play it and then I pause it and then I go back over. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could like dictate in one side of my phone while the other side is playing the audio you know like and like i could manage them both at the same time like it's such a dumb thing but like that would give me a five percent quality of life upgrade for how much i listen to audiobooks like I, I'm, I'm just like that would be cool um but then you know you think of like uh uh I just other like multitasking, multitasking on the iPad is not quite there yet. It technically exists, but it is not good. It's not, it's clumsy. Half the apps implement oh my it. God,
1: that's all the Apple world can talk about. Like I, so I, so I, so I downloaded this net newswire, which you don't have, cause I think it's Mac only, but it's like an RSS reader app. And I switched to it just cause it's, it's nice, you know, but it syncs with Feedbin, mm-hmm. which I know we both use. Uh, Ah, which is really nice, too. Yeah, I love Feedbin, too. But I really like Feedbin, how it's kind of like an API hub, right? And that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I, I have a different reader on my phone. That also syncs with Feedbin. So it turns yeah. out like I use Feedbin on the web too. I think it's pretty good. But for the most part, I use I only use Feedbin as like a central API hub and use different clients to actually do my RSS reading. I think that's where its that's, value is, is in the middle. But yeah. anyway, so there's more stuff to talk about there. But when I when I signed up for Net Newswire too or downloaded its app, Because it's like a Brett Simmons, like inessential, like it came with a bunch of Apple news sites are built in like the loop Uh, and daring fireball and Michael Tsai and all these, you know, six colors, all these like Apple bloggers. I just kept, I just left them all in there. And it's like, sometimes it's like really echo chambery, you know, and that's fine. I'm sure web dev is like that too. You know, you sign up for all these newsletters and it's the same link in five newsletters, you know, but it's like, Right, right. In Apple land, that's all they could talk about for a while is multitasking on the iPad because Gruber was all pissed at it for a minute. Like, that's not intuitive. It sucks now. And so everybody's making their own like interpretations how you can do it. And yada, yada. That's my whole point. It's
0: not. I, well, if it exists, that's cool. I am not finding it. That's my experience, you know? So, like, you look at like a foldable device with two screens, it's literally multitasking built in. I mean, like, like two windows that go full screen on each side that's pretty damn cool like I, I i mean it maybe limits you you can't do like three quarters or whatever but like you know can i like have twitter and an article open yeah it's a big deal but that's cool is, yeah, yeah like oh well, yeah like or or you think of an rss feed i mean like you have your rss reader and then you just out to the the actual article like how cool would that be like in because you never like operate the reader and then you click the link and you go to the thing yeah like it opens Safari, and then you go back and you're like it's just gone forever i I probably
1: use the swipe up application switcher on my phone like a hundred times a day and probably in you know half of those circumstances are situations where i wish i could leave one of the apps freaking open for a minute well, I do the thing in the other one. So I think if you really got multitasking right on the iPad, it would potentially even sway me to get i've had all kinds of ipads but i get them and then i just i just don't use them which i know is terribly wasteful and stuff but other i you know it ends up being my daughter's ipad or miranda gets a new one because it's really because i wanted to see the new one but i've never made it part of my life i don't you know maybe i don't read comics enough or whatever but i can never seem to like get it into my life
0: 60 dollars a year uh it's for marvel unlimited and there you go every comic you'll ever want to read but no there's i mean I, yeah, if you don't like, like comics is a big driver for me. Uh, watching esports, having a private esports device <laughs> was helpful too. Cause, like, you know, I, your kids, they're watching Daniel Tiger or whatever at max volume in your friggin' living room. And you're just like, could I just watch this, like, YouTube video or whatever? Like, like, so I'll just sneak an earbud in, like a deadbeat dad, <laughs> and then, like, and just watch, like, my Overwatch League. Like, and that's purely like, it's it, again, these are just excuses for why I bought it. But like, I also, there's, there's something to be said, like, remember when the iPad was announced, right. And it was different. There was chairs on the stage. If This is an Apple podcast now. I'm sorry, everybody, but two white guys talking about Apple. Um, but you, the iPad was announced Two a chair sitting on stage and Steve jobs sits in the chair and pulls out the iPad or whatever. And it's, and so like the posture of the iPad is different. You have the phone, it's like up in your face, right? Like you're like, Oh, Oh, cool. You know? But like iPad is like, you know, you don't want it up in your face. You want it kind of open and broad. I feel like that has, those are two different postures to me. Like, like almost like to my family, I'm saying like, Oh, I'm on my phone. I'm not open to conversation, but I'm on my iPad. I'm open to conversation, even though I have one earbud in and I'm watching eSports or whatever. I just, the the posture of it is, I think does communicate something like, hey, I'm, you can interrupt me. I'm just reading something, you know, it, it, I think, I feel there's a subtle difference, um, but it, it still is device time technically. And you get, war- you know, wrapped up into it. But yeah. Like,
1: yeah. It's who you are as a, if that posture is, is good for your day-to-day usage, that's cool. You know, I find sometimes there's some small fraction of my life where I'm in that mode. I might be on a plane or something. Like that. I've so often, even if I'm on my phone, I'm like looking at RSS articles and then immediately my brain goes into like, well, I need to like you, like I need to write down that quote or make sure this link gets saved in a good way that I know what I'm going to do with it. And I kind of jump into work mode and I feel like a, a, a multitasking environment might might work for me better that way so that I can have that chill posture. But if I need to flip into a much more common for me mode, which is like, I'm chilling, but I'm also doing
0: <laughs> right. Like, I mean, what? let's say I, I would be curious what percent of your job as Chris Coyier, uh, editor of CSS tricks, like, uh, or CEO, mm-hmm. what's your, I don't know what your, I don't your know. CSS trick style I was. started it. Um, uh, starter of CSS tricks, like what percent is like reading industry articles, you know, like, and just, just kind of mentally filing that and tagging it maybe in notion, yeah, or you know, like, some like,
1: hour a day ish, at least you an know? hour
0: a day ish. Right. Like just kind of, but I also it up,
1: like it, you know? you know, like I think a lot of us do, you know, like if that's just like the, the paper for me, but I just tend to approach the paper with some business attack too. Like this article is interesting, but it's useless to my enterprises. Like it's somebody talking about, like I was reading a, sometimes it takes me a while to decide about a tab. Like it was a great article. I thought about design critique and I was like, I like this. Like what can I quote in here that would make it good for CSS tricks? And I'm like, I don't know at the moment it's nothing, but I'm not ready to close the tab yet because I don't, you know, maybe my brain will spark something or I'll read something that connects to it. And once I have two posts, then it's more worth it. And, you know, that kind of stuff happens a lot. No,
0: I mean, so like, you know, as dumb as it is, like, you know, part of your day is is kind of researching articles, like, and and I feel like that's part of my day too. Like just knowing about new CSS so that I can, yeah. you know, like integrate it into client work and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I. I It just seems like, so I I think for me, the posture is very important in having a casual device that can do the posture right now, the iPad or, you know, a galaxy tab might be good too, but like, you know, that's the best device, but I'm really interested in this next class of device, like with the folding foldable Yeah, yeah. because you just put your thumb in the middle. It looks like a book and then like, oh, somebody gets your attention, like close it, shell it it shut Mm. and just be like, Yes. yes,
1: talk to me. It is it's the future right? isn't it? It's cool. It's going to happen.
0: I think it's a future. Is it really practical right now and do all the folding devices like from Samsung and Motorola have huge problems? Yes. So like, Yeah, but I mean I don't of know course that. they
1: do. It's early, right?
0: Yeah, it's early days. And and I think Microsoft they said they kind of skirted all those problems by like putting the fold in there, having that gap. And you know, there's going to be design problems. You pull up your Homepage, like I think of the Paravel homepage with like an animation on it of a, a Paravel sitting by a campfire or whatever. Like, you know, it's going to get chopped in half and have a bezel right in the middle of the website. That's not going to be good for our website, you know. So, what do you know? How do we respond to that, you know? And and is there a way we can, I guess, adapt to that? Well, I, I'm I'm just kind of curious. I mean, you know, I think that right answer is like, or the lazy or probably the easiest route. That's, that's what I want to say. The easiest route is they can just deal with it. It's full. That's their fault for buying a device with a fold in the middle. Uh, I very much feel that, but you know, they can put it to one window if they are one, one piece of glass if they want, but you know, it's now my brain's starting to spin on, on like what sort of stuff could you do, you know, like to make a better experience. So
1: Hey, Shop Talk Show listeners. This episode is brought to you in part by Clubhouse. That's Uh, uh, clubhouse.io. I like what they have written about themselves. So let's roll with that for a minute with light commentary from me. Using project management software can be a job all to itself. Not so. With clubhouse.io, here's some words that describe Clubhouse. Fast, intuitive, purple, flexible, rectangular. Usually its shape is, really, it's actually dependent on the size of your browser window, but, you know, it's still a rectangle. Enjoyable. Well, at least as enjoyable as project software management can get. Um, Does this sound like, you know, the project management software you're using? If no, that's not nice. If not, well, I mean, it's nice for you if it's all those enjoyable parts. It's not nice for you if it's not. If not, there's a solution. Use clubhouse.io. Let's look at some other highlights. This is a sponsor spot for Clubhouse. You know, they're very clear about that. Fully customizable workflows. Each team can set their own workflow states to ensure that Clubhouse matches their own approach to tackling projects. Personally, to me, that's huge. We have our own states. Even project to project, it differs a little bit. So customization there, clutch. Advanced filtering. You can quickly and easily drill down different projects and teams to see how everything is progressing. No team's work is hidden in a silo. Sprint planning. Set your weekly priorities and let Clubhouse run the schedule for you. Uh, uh, Integrations, you know, with stuff like Slack. And of, of course there's all that stuff. You know, you set the task using a pull request and preview designs with Figma links and build your own integrations with an API. awesome. Awesome. Uh, and in really nice collaboration, enjoy a drag and drop UI, emoji reactions, dark mode. You know, it's like it's like a it's like an app that was built in 2020, believe it or not. Love that um, Clubhouse because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. Um, give it a try. They give us a URL, Clubhouse.io slash shop talk. That's two free months of any paid plan. So generous of them. Try it out. Clubhouse.io slash shop talk. So, we're RSS people, you know, like it probably is obnoxious, you know, to <laughs> not obnoxious, but like, I don't know, you know, some people we talk about topics too much sometimes, although I don't know if we talk about RSS as much on this show. It just comes up in chat uh-huh. like, a lot. Anyway, not, you know, for the most people on earth, RSS is this, you know, like what, you know, they probably are blissfully unaware that RSS powers things like podcasts. In their entirety,
0: yeah. Uh, Surprise, listener! You've been using RSS the whole time,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I like it from for its really basic nerdy function of I can subscribe to your website in a central location. It's not a newsletter; it's just your site, and you publish stuff, and I read it in my reader. And sometimes I'll read it on my reader. Sometimes I'll pop over to your site, whatever. But it allows me to keep up with the industry, and thankfully, enough really nice websites and. Like a lot of dev websites particularly still have RSS feeds. Like you get one for free if it's a, I think even Gatsby has it for free, but you know, I don't know how many Gatsby sites I read, but probably several, but like, you know, WordPress and Drupal, you know, the big CMSs, you just get it for free. So thanks, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, you know, Feedbin, like we were saying, we, we, we both use because it's pretty nice, has this feature built in um, called Starring, which is just like a little bookmark kind of thing. Like Google Reader had it back in the day, too. It's I don't think it's fundamental to the tech of RSS, but it's becoming a pretty standard bolt-on feature for RSS readers. Anyway, you discovered that you can you can flip on a little, uh, uh, this is very meta, but if you flip this switch in Feedbin, you then get another RSS feed of the things you starred.
0: Yeah. So I figured this out. I don't know why I was in the settings, but I was like, hey, wait, what? I can get a starred article feed? And so it gives you a feed of your RSS RSS likes. Uh, It gives you an RSS feed of your RSS likes. And so I took that feed, and I used an article I saw on CSS Tricks about getting rs which is not what XML i was imagining feed. at
1: all but that's cool you use that I, little parsing things yeah
0: yeah like a rss parser what was it it was yeah it was an rss parser or whatever and so i just was
1: like sometimes oh, i'm just amazed by stuff like that in javascript like the you know like you have this chunk of xml like what the hell am i going to do with that it's gotten a lot easier over the years how to deal with that you can essentially like load it up into a document fragment and query selector inside of it you know like i don't know that's probably obvious to a lot of people but it wasn't to me i was like oh shucks
0: that's easy no i mean i would have probably been like oh god i need some npm thing like xml to json or something right like, you know i just was like like what the hell like am i gonna do here like but then i you know i like immediate i it was like serendipitous that you had posted that article like two days before i discovered this feed was here and then and we're, we're actually gonna like uh we're working on the paravel site but like we're gonna like you pull some shop top episodes into the paravel site or whatever because that's something i do and like it was just like, oh, hey, like I can do that. Like now I know how to do that. So um, I just, anyway, it was very cool, very serendipitous. Yeah. You
1: could probably do it in Node too if you wanted to not have it be a client side thing all the time or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that some other people have started picking up on this and they're they're pulling their feeds in, um, but they're I, I'm doing a request every time because I don't know it's probably a dozen requests or yeah, yeah, a <laughs> who cares? Year. You know, right. <clears throat> Not super big deal, but, um, and, and I'm sure feed will call me <laughs> if it gets out of hand, but, um, and, and, but, you know, I, I like the idea of like a pre-processed build when you're going to Netlify, you just say, Hey, go grab this XML pull it all down, and then you could like convert it into JSON, stick it in your data folder, and there it is.
1: Forever. like. Right, now you have this really cool portion of your site that's just publicly showing you things that you've liked. Now that's cool for you because, hey, it makes my personal website way cooler. It's cool for me because that's absolutely fascinating to me. You know, like, uh, especially like I our think us you fellow. Joked, tech you
0: joked, though. Yeah. You said I like too many Verge likes.
1: <laughs> well, <it's> just, your <laughs> like speed was saturated with Verge likes. Just so much Verge, man. <laughs> but of course it is, isn't it? Don't you want to know what your friends are liking on services? That's what makes Twitter and stuff so addictive. And well, I, I don't mean to paint this in a bad light. I'm trying to paint it in a positive light. It's super cool. The know what your friends are into, that's even extra valuable to me as like a light journalist, like a, that adds some extra weight if I know Dave is particularly interested in something. And what where I'm going with this is that like, well, of course, now I can subscribe to your feed. But I see Robin Rendell did it too, so I can subscribe to 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 Robin's feed of what he likes. Ideally, I'd subscribe to a ton of people's. But then it's like that's, this is pretty manual, right? I'm subscribing individually to all these likes feeds. Like it'd be nice if it kind of aggregated it, wouldn't it? Or like mm-hmm. it was more of a built-in yeah. feature of the thing. Because then I'm gonna if I follow enough people, I'm gonna see repeats all the time. Anyway. I just like this and I wanted to bring it up. And if other people want to do it, that'd be cool, too. We could have a little likes party and just, you know, see what people are liking. It's it's super low effort. I mean, to some degree, that's what subscribing to CSS tricks is, too, is like I'm sharing you stuff that I really liked and I'm doing it with context and links and stuff. So I'm not trying to undermine that, too. Like, that's like my actual likes feed, essentially, is my own website. Yeah. But this is yeah, low yeah. effort. I click a button and it's on there. So that's cool, too.
0: And that's what I, that's what I, I'm i getting out of it because it's even like it's almost like sharing like I'm I'm saying like either, you know, I'm sharing this on Twitter or whatever. It's like, hey, everybody, I like this enough to start, you know, just like I'd like it n- enough to tweet about it. But it's like a social network where we didn't have to talk to each other and you can don't have to follow me in real time. You can just catch up on a weekend or just mark all as red and get away like you never had to talk to me at all. I love that aspect of it. it's it's so calm to me just not having this like pressure to keep scrolling a timeline. It's just like right now I, I, you know, uh, Andy bell, I got 23 unread stars from him, 11 unread from Robin. And it's like, I'll get to them. I'll
1: figure out what they like later. Oh, you did subscribe to their likes feeds. I subscribe to their likes. Yeah. Oh, so. good for you. I haven't actually done that yeah. yet because everybody's like public like doing something visually cool with it. I was like, yeah, I'll just because chances are we all subscribe to the same crap. Like, I don't know. Okay, here's here's another extension of where I'm going with this though, because obviously there is something. More exotic you can do with the with the the nature of multiple feeds and combining them, and this is brand new. I haven't this is it happens to be live on production CodePen right now, but I haven't talked about it anywhere at all yet, and it only went live yesterday. So, oh, 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 oh. Um, so check it out. Like, I mean, I'd be interesting to get your first impressions. If you go to CodePen now and click onto the following tab, you know, you've been you've been a member of CodePen for years, so mm-hmm. presumably you follow mm-hmm. at least a few people, right?
0: I follow a few people, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, so ideally I it's now in
0: my following section.
1: Here's the thing is that following has kind of sucked on CodePen for a long time because it was just so basic. It was just like the following tab was just like straight up chronological. Whoever you follow, whatever they publish, just here it is, you know? And I think that's largely fine, but this new experience is a little bit more this is our very and keep bear in mind this is our very 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 first crack at this. It's going to get a lot more interesting as we go, but for it's, it's giving you hopefully I can't see what you're seeing, but it's probably some more context as to what's in there, like what other people you follow are liking and adding to collections, and like what what they're doing on this.
0: Yeah, I see. I see things that you have liked. I see things that you posted. I see a fork that Christopher Schmidt did, um, and then I see a uh, I see. Um, you know Sarah Drasner stuff, and so like yeah, I, I like your putting likes or loves, I guess, uh, into this pe- into right. this feed. That's very useful for me actually, because I, you know, I could maybe discover what you liked. I, I feel like, or maybe I just would just go to the top picks. But like knowing what you
1: liked is
0: actually pretty cool.
1: Like, and what's notable here is this is not algorithmic. This isn't like us us being like, you know, I don't know only show Dave things that the computer behind the screens has determined that Dave will like. And in fact, I want to do that and we are going to do that. That's going to be kind of a different experience. That's like, you know, here's, this is a little bit closer to chronological. It's just giving you some context as to, as to, you know, what your friends are doing too and sprinkling it in with some, some of that, you know, likes and activity kind of stuff. So it should just be way better. I hope. Um, But this is an example, the way that this works is why I've related it to it is that everybody's like stuff on CodePen can become programmatically like a stream. It's just a stream of stuff. And then I we can make other streams that are combinations of other streams. So that like yeah. this is, this is un- what you're looking at as a unique stream to you. But all it is, is a programmatic pointers to other streams. And combining it all together. And then some magic behind the scenes to like aggregate stuff. And and this is just our first crack, and it's gonna get a lot cooler. But the, you know, the company behind this is literally called GitStream. I think they're just called Stream, but the the company is GitStream. And that, you know, I don't know. This is it's early days for us, but they that's their whole vibe in the world, is like that, you know, we do the the kind of the magic sauce behind making streams of stuff and then combining them in interesting ways and then giving them back to you. And then we send it through our APIs and it all, all, you know, there's all kinds of magic behind this. I'm not sure I'm talking about it all that well, but.
0: No, I think like, it's kind of like you're, so you're using a third party then to sort of marry these two streams together. Then. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Because it does some stuff that's programmatically hard to do that that you know that they kind of get right and and moves the kind of computational load off of our back you know
0: well, and it's almost yeah well i was gonna say it's almost like the same oh my gosh i just went to cassie evans github pro or codepen profile <laughs> moly yeah. there's like 3d blobs moving around um uh nice job cassie uh I, yeah. Like I, I think of like, you know, like you can run your own search, right? Like where somebody types a letter and you go fetch every uh, result that contains an S in the title, you know, and then you do it for when they type ST, you know, and like, you like you can run a search like that on your own database, but it will just murder your database. Like, like that everyone else is using and, and stuff like that. So like, you almost want to keep search outside of it, and then these like little stream things too is is very similar. Like you almost want to keep that outside of your main database because, like, you know, are you gonna run a cron job or or a task or a rescue operation every time like somebody hits save on something like or like something? Are you gonna go like do the whole loop and update ten thousand people's like feeds? Like, no way. That's
1: I know cost
0: prohibitive. I know, like, but make somebody so else like,
1: do it for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a third well and that's i think like for those sort of heavy kind of database things like you know those i guess you'd call it like a O N on join right like it's or on two is that like it's pretty significant join i mean it's like you have a list of followers and you have a list of likes and then you have a list that you know like this well, yeah in our case there's it together.
1: you know eight some things you can do at least and- Ideally, more, the more information it has, the better in a way. It's, yeah. Anyway, w- what if, you know, there was an RSX experience? And I think Feedbin is probably the company that makes the most sense to Im- impose this kind of thing, although I'm sure Feedly is doing sim- similar things. I, I don't know. I just click better with Feedbin than Feedly. But I know probably more people using like Feedly. Um, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I follow you and Andy and Robin and Sarah and Val and Rachel and Jen and Ethan and all these people on on RSS, not only what they publish but what they like, and then saw some kind of like aggregate feed rather than having to look at everybody's feed individually – that's so cool. In a sense that I, I don't know that even Google Reader ever got there. I know people like lament Google Reader and like its interesting social features and stuff because you could like star stuff and comment on stuff and kind of see other people's stuff. But I don't think it did it particularly well. In these days, you could do so much more with these aggregated streams. Like, let's bring that back. Somebody get on that. No, I
0: no. It'd be cool. Yeah, like even just even just like boiling it down like you know i the nice thing about rss is it's all casual it's on my own time or whatever but you know if you could just get kind of like you know every click is precious so like if you could if let's say there's a 50% overlap between all these likes feeds i i've look at or even articles that i've already liked as well like maybe those just go away you know so like just a little bit of data handling and then it's like, a, hey, here's your, whatever RSS social. Let's make RSS social. <laughs> but then I also think like it would be cool if you could Let's like comment R- on
1: these things. Yeah, why not? But yeah, but, that, but then isolating that to a walled garden is weird.
0: Well, and in, in RSS is so much like I want to see this and never see it again. <laughs> like, you know, I I unless I like. Star it, you know. I just want to never see it again. So, like the idea, like I have to go into my RSS reader to keep up on a conversation would just drive me
1: insane. That's a little weird. I wonder if web mentions could factor in there. You know, like that's the that's almost the problem with Twitter too. It's so big, and there's so many web devs there. that good conversation is had there, and in and good conversation around particular URLs, but they're dispersed. You know, all that stuff, you know, gets to me as, as somebody like, you know, I run CSS tricks. I wish I could take the best of what commentary that people had put on Twitter, but and also anywhere, who knows, Facebook, who knows, mm-hmm. on their own site and put that into the comment thread. So it's not lost. You know, it's still like, oh, that right. person had something interesting to say from Twitter. I should put that here. I, if you're a big enough site, I think it would make sense to have some kind of full time role that did that. Because that's so, it's so fragmented these days, and that can be potentially so valuable. But I can't mm-hmm. do that. I don't have time or budget for that. I want it to happen programmatically, and that's kind of the promise of web mentions. But it just—I've never seen anybody pull it off well enough.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, Zach Leatherman has web mentions on his site, and I, funnily enough, I found a bot was like transpiling his thing using his thing called Snarky to like to kind of spongebob case all the text and uh but it in his web mention was ending up in his bing search result or whatever when you like oh my gosh for, in an article and so like this like so it was his article tech but in this snarky text it was sort of like a weird like malfunction i think it's all been resolved uh gotta sorry be careful about i wasn't that. like calling him out but yeah it's kind of like oh if like all these web mentions come in and now it's canon like what do you do um I don't
1: know, right? And it's pre-built into the markup too, right? Like it's because that's how Zach always Rolls, you know. It's not like some JavaScript thing that grabs them later because it's
0: and you can fix it. But then, how do you fix a search engine? Like, can you just do I call Bing and be like, "Hey, Bing, this is Dave." Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Is there still is there any HTML attributes that are like you know because there's aria hidden for screen readers? But then there was also like ones for um not a screen reader but a screen reader you know, like the little button reader mode oh. there used to be uh-huh. attributes okay, that are yeah. like reader mode ignore that's not what it was but it was there was attributes specifically for that to teach the page what's not important are there seo ignore tags are the things you can put on your page that say like search engine this is not don't worry about this no index <laughs> no index but just <laughs> this you just attribute do.
0: you know just h1s you just a bunch of h1s um no i don't know
1: i don't think there is really
0: no i i I, people if there was people would exploit it you know what i mean so yeah like don't
1: don't, don't mention oh why you know like if you put no index on something that's how is that exploiting anything
0: that would be cool if no index could be on a data no index
1: don't
0: don't index these comments these this is a garbage fire Please tell.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought I don't know what kind of value I get after that. After all these years, I always kind of thought in the early days of working on that that it's like, oh, free content. You're doing SEO yeah. for me. Thank you, readers. Oh, you know, yeah. but are you like how much? Like how many people end up finding a post, and and does it hurt you sometimes? Does it? Is it? You know, the, now Google reads your page, but it, but it, Google reads it your content and all these comments. Like, does it, if the comments are kind of lame, does it dilute the value of the original post, you know?
0: Yeah, I wonder. Well, and like keyword stuffing and all that, you know, like, did you did somebody over-comment certain keywords and now you're deranking yourself? I don't don't know. know. Uh, You'd
1: think we'd be, we should, this is the moment where we should be like, let's talk to an SEO expert. But I have such trepidation there. Like, does anybody actually know? Like, I don't know. Like, it's such secret sauce that... I don't care if you're an SEO, SEO expert. I know that Google doesn't tell you exactly what to do, so you don't know either. You know as much as I do, which is nothing, you know.
0: <laughs> unless it's Matt cuts from Google, right? Like I really don't care. Well, he can just. <laughs> I guess he's at the uh, USDS now, but like, uh, like unless it's that, like I don't. Um, yeah, I. I, don't.
1: I just saw one. I just saw a post just this week because I in RSS I subscribed to some SEO blog or something and it was like do h do then your header tags matter and and they're like no it doesn't it just matters that it's a big it's a big piece of copy at the top of the page so if instead of using headers you used a div and made it big and bold and put it at the top of the page that google wouldn't even care it's like your header tags are irrelevant so they ran one test where but instead of a Dib, it was just an H2. So like on their whole site, they didn't have any H1s on the page. It was only H2s at the top of the article and changed it or something and were able to A, B test it. And it made no significant distant, uh, difference at all, which was sad because there was no mention of accessibility anywhere on the entire page. They're just like, it doesn't matter. Use whatever header tag you want. Boop, end of story. Which I'm like, I don't know how that yeah. plays out exactly, but it's that it was interesting and it wasn't exactly statistically significant data overall on the web. Like maybe there's some other reasons why this particular one website didn't change rankings over time. Or if it's just like, like even when there's data, I question it is my point.
0: Well, so here I just ran my site, DaveRipper.com, which is the premier website example. um, If you ever need an example, it's perfect. Um, ran lighthouse seo you know has a little seo thing right. and like the reports are like has a meta viewport tag okay like has a document title yep has a meta description really yeah, i do so the but bar okay, is pretty sure. low
1: here for seo yeah, yeah
0: like it has a successful status code uh links have descriptive text the mm-hmm. pages is blocking robot text is valid images have alt attributes document has a hreflang what okay sure yeah i do uh document uses 100 percent legible text avoids plugins uh, which is not true because i have friggin oh i don't have like flash but i do have like discus on my site i don't know but anyway I, it's uh i don't know man mm-hmm. uh did you get 100 percent like, i got 100 percent on my seo oh. of course naturally you're talking to dave rupert of dave rupert llc Dang, i want to so, i'm, you. I know. I'm nervous uh, yeah up your seo game I, I i wonder how seo is now uh like i i know it's like get your meta get your keywords i think a lot of seos now in into like this content strategy game like like make a page for every business location so that that page gets indexed and then you know dave rupert chicago is very high up on web developer chicago you know like 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 And just make sure your title has those words you're looking for. It's sort of like the SEO is more like targeting almost like you look at Google AdWords where, and you pick the ones you want to be in and then you like target those and then you key your content to that. Almost like you tune your content to like match, like overcome, overtake those keywords and you know, that's cool I guess, but you got to really know what people are searching and, Uh, I I think it's mirroring this idea of like what people are searching versus what people, uh, uh, how your content can meet those needs, you know? So like, I I don't know how CSS tricks, but like, I got a hundred, you could, yeah. But like, if you, I don't know you, if somebody was like, Oh man, react is super hot. Like you got to post react stuff. Like you're going to want to make sure, you know, you got React on the front page, you know, just so you index well for that or something. I don't, know. I think that's how, kind of modern SEO is more like figure out what people are searching for and then try to meet those searches. So, yep. Cause I, I think the days of tricking Google are over and uh, I could be wrong, yeah, but
1: like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I. There's one way to really do great at SEO, and it's just to be super passionate about one particular niche subject and blog about it for a decade. <laughs> there you go. Your SEO is going to be pretty okay, I promise. You know, that's a tall order and people can't do that. Hence the hence the trying to not trick it, but a little bit trick it by producing less content and, and somehow, you know, getting a bunch of links back and, well, you know. I don't know how all that works exactly. You know, I you know, but at the same time, I I feel like if I dug into it, there's probably a lot to learn that I could benefit from. Even the nature of you know, I was looking at this tool the other day that was like A/B testing it a title alone, just that one job. Mm -hmm. Like what you know, like the complete guide to Flexbox does good for us. But what if I I called it just complete guide to Flexbox and remove the word the. Would it make a st-
0: flex box colon a complete guy? Yeah.
1: Why not? A, B test that and C, you know, like, is that, is there enough gains to be made there with just running those type of tests that it's like worth somebody's part-time slash full-time job, like just title testing or that, that type of thing? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do it in, you know some kind of client side tester kind of thing. But I think there's kind of n- nicer ways to do it. You
0: know? My friend James uh, works at a A/B AB testing company here in town and they do a lot of that, um, you know, but all, all different kinds, you know, I think a lot of AB testing is, you know, I, I think it's valuable if you're a company like of significant size, like you should definitely do it mm-hmm. and, or consider it, you know, but like you're, I, I mean, you could test a new design and stuff like that, but then you're going to spend so much that you might just want to like launch the new design and then get like qualitative feedback. And then, you know, like, like put something out there, get feedback and then iterate and make it better and just keep doing that. But, you know, I, I feel like in an organization that's maybe risk averse, like we can't mess with this money machine or else the stock market investors will get mad. And then mm. we look bad. Like, I think that's fair and you have to kind of then it's like, Oh, you're risk averse. Cool. We have to install this AB thing that makes our site slower, but we can, you know, test features before they go out or something like that, or test redesigns or test headlines to see if we can crack something. But I don't know. Very rarely does. it.
1: I think it, it, it clicks with me. Cause I'm like, you know what? Honestly, like I wanted to publish this blog post. So I just wrote it and did it. And I didn't sleep on it and think about the title and stuff. And often if I come back a week later and look at the post, i be like, you know what, I'm going to update that intro. That title isn't quite right. Even the slug I feel like I could have done a better job with. And there's like, you know, when you come at things fresh, like anything in the world, but this is just an example, you you tend to like have a little bit more clarity on what you, what very likely would have just be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there, it's so tempting then to look at your whole archives and be like gosh, what if I approached a wide swath of this with totally fresh eyes, you know? How much value is there to be unlocked there? And it's probably a lot, you know.
0: There's some value too in like testing this stuff like to learn cuz you know, you hear about the oh, we moved this and we made a million dollars, you know, mm, move the button. There's that, you know. Um uh, but there's there's also value in learning what doesn't work if that makes sense like we we ran a b testing for a billion dollar pizza company uh and and i think some of the best tests for me although we did have like big moves but like some of the best tests were like oh this actually does nothing or this does negative sales like we should not spend the next six months building this because that's bad for the website gosh
1: yeah and if you have enough of those build up over time the you're learning the secondary lesson too, which is that that just like that A B testing alone is like not that. If you're not if you're not using it to unlock positives, then maybe don't do it at all.
0: You know? Yeah. Well and but there's also value in unlocking or I guess locking up negatives. Like like figuring out like what 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 are negative repercussions so you don't have to do those. You know, I mean maybe you could do a thing like, oh like turns out titles that don't have verbs do poorly or something, <laughs> you know, like, or, you know, if I, you, what's the one, like if there's a question mark in the title, no one reads it, you know, something like that, you know, like you could test these theories out or these sort of like cliches or something like that. Um, you know, you could mess up the subject verb agreement and just see what that does. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, like to see how, uh, how good you can make it. So maybe I could do that. I could do uh A, a B test where I write an article and then I make a branch and I run that article through an editor who actually edits the article <laughs> and then uh, do an A B test on which one converts better. Maybe I should do that. We'll see. <laughs>
1: Hey, shop talk listeners. This episode is sponsored in part by Front End Masters. Quite literally, that's the URL frontendmasters.com. It's online training for all the best in front end engineering. So it's like they've picked some of the best, hottest, most important topics happening in front end and bring you courses on them, but not just courses from anybody. They bring you, like, the best names in those technologies. I mean, they have, like, Vue courses where you're learning from Sarah Drasner and then Evan Yu, the creator of Vue. And there's, you know, learning JavaScript fundamental stuff, deeply learning JavaScript stuff from Kyle Simpson. And the biggest best names in React and all this. They find the best teachers to come teach courses. And they you know, what's kind of cool is they teach it live. So there's students in the room and it's being recorded all high quality. So there's just like a nice vibe to it. And then they turn that experience into video that's available to you and me and everybody who subscribes to Front End Masters. So, and they have all these, you know, it's not just courses, but they have learning tracks and stuff too. If you need to like a little guidance on what to follow and what to do, you know, they have incredible app for your phone and all that. It's like, it's like the thing to subscribe to if you're trying to level up your front end development skills. Like if you're like, what should I do? You know, like I want to get hardcore into front end development. What is the place to subscribe to and learn and the place where I should be doing my, my learning It's Front End Masters for sure. Look at this D3 course with Shirley Wu. Incredible. Shirley's like amazing. She's who you want to be learning this stuff from. The best teachers out there, the best content out there about front end development. Uh, Check out frontendmasters.com. anyway, maybe we should actually answer a question from somebody or something. Let's do
0: a question. Um.
1: Mm-hmm. What was, what's my favorite one here, as I think is at the bottom? This Harry Loat wrote in, um, I want to add the same header and footer on every page of my website. How can I do that without using anything else? No PHP, no JavaScript, or any other language. I want this to be purely in HTML and CSS. Well, Harry, you can't. If you If your stipulation Sorry. is... I want to use absolutely nothing else at all. Then you can't. I think that's whack. I do not understand why there's no <laughs> why there's no in, like include kind of thing in HTML. Like th- that's what an image tag is, right? An image tag is go get this image and put it in the HTML. That's what video is. That's what object is. So all these tags in HTML, that even us, that's what C, a link tag for CSS is. Go get this resource and apply it to this document. Why is there no, and I'm sure there's a great reason for this, that just totally eludes me, a tag that's go get this HTML and plunk it into this document.
0: Yeah, it's silly. I mean, I, I think it's just, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, that's why people use PHP. That's why people build static site generators. It's purely for this purpose, but um there's not a way that HTML imports was the way, was the future, but that died. a, a terrible death. Um there there is uh if you're into web components, uh you'll have to include one script tag, but it can be like an unpackaged script tag called uh HTML include element uh by uh Justin Finiani, who uh, I, d- I hope I got your name right, Justin. But um, uh, uh, it, it uh, this is just basically like a, a it includes it goes sucks up the content and spits it into the page where it was, like in Shadow DOM or something like that. So HTML include it looks like HTML. You know, HTML include source my file.html mm-hmm. and it'll plop it right in there. So. Uh, I I think that's the best option, really, like a fake iframe kind of. So
1: oh, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, or a real iframe. You could do a real iframe,
0: but then you gotta know the height. Now you just hurt your. Wasn't whole there?
1: Life. Wasn't there whispers of some kind of auto height iframe in the world? Oh man, that would be that cool. Would be... Like a because seamless exists, doesn't seamless exist? Seamless exists, and I thought But seamless is like uh, about. Uh, inheriting CSS and stuff.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was going to, like, solve the problem, but I don't think it
1: did. Yeah, or maybe the browser support isn't agreed upon entirely. Uh, I was just thinking about this in a, you know, I'm working on this new talk, and I have no idea if this will make the final version of the talk or not, but I was like, I'm going to start with my classic, like, laundromat thing. Like, let's say you're making a website for a laundromat, which should be about the simplest website in the world, because anybody visiting that website They have pretty low expectations of what they're going to find out. They probably just want to know your hours and where you are. Like, that's it. Okay. So let's, okay, fine. There's that. But let's say you need a little bit more. Let's say it ends up being a three page site. Well, first, does it really, you know, (laughs) can you just have it be a long, just add some content and have it be a scrolling site and you can scroll to those Mm -hmm. sections? So even if it has navigation that looks like a three page site, it really just moves you around the page. Okay, fine. Or use some slightly exotic JavaScript that hides and shows different things. So it's kind of like a multi-page site, but it really isn't. Or even CSS input toggles that hide and show things, whatever. I've made this site now like 10 times because I think it's fun to experiment the different ways. But let's say you really are going to do it. You want to have three different HTML pages. You know, Harry specifically said no PHP, but PHP is an option. Includes, you know, includes are great. Mm. That's... I've used PHP just for that in the past, you know, and you know, you know, right. Zeit supports PHP. So if you need a little little cloud little banger, because sometimes you're like, oh, I want to use Netlify, but I really just need a little PHP done. You can't use Netlify then because they don't support PHP, but Zite does, you know. Right. So cool. Now you have a <coughs> Netlify-like that's experience that's PHP, you know. Um, but then there's also like 11ty you know, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So wiring up and include and then Eleventy, you don't need anything other than Eleventy because Eleventy supports Liquid. That's the default engine in it. It used to be Nunjucks. I like Nunjucks better, but whatever. It's Liquid. Yeah. L- Liquid has, includes. So out of the box, you can do it. And I think I even wrote about this one because I was so fascinated by it. You knew this long before I did. You don't even have to install Eleventy. You can write npx whatever, Eleventy, and it executes Eleventy without any NPM install. You don't even need a package.json.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. That's a critical feature in my book. Just from like a, you know, it's, it's that feeling of like, I'm not super tied to this dependency. That's that's the feeling it gives me. It, you know, it's, it's not this, it feels like a lightweight build process, but I'm sure it's still megs and megs, but I don't know.
1: And of course you should install it like just install it it'll be way faster like there's no problem to install but but it's cool that like their default like their it it talks to their philosophy you know that like you don't you don't even need to install us for cripe Six, anyway so well, how yeah. many
0: times have you been like you know like oh i have gulp 4 on my system and oh my god oh uh, that's like gulp 3 and now everything's biffed like Ugh. the thing does not work like that's a problem and so like if you use mpx it's like nope everyone's using the same remote one whatever i didn't even think about that so,
1: that's cool anyway gulp that's a great example because it, it kills me that like uh, it, i i have it fixed now but I, gulp 4 is way better like you want to be on gulp 4 for sure like it's just a better th- place but getting to, be. to gulp 4 yeah especially is, if you have a long history of gulp 3 it's a mother
0: yeah well and because there's like plugins they're like sorry i only do gulp 2 and you're like damn it yeah well because
1: there's two things that work the cli is now like it's either built in or not built in i can't remember which direction they went but you're you're gonna have (laughs) some problems uh anyway not to i am fixed it now i'm kind of a a fan again but it's like well it was broke which it was broke on my machine for like 18 months it wasn't like a little struggle thing i went through i was like i struggled and then i gave up and my version of giving up wasn't even to give up on Gulp, was to go back to version 3 because it worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, Harry, if you don't want to install anything, that's an option too. Like, technically, it's another language and you said no other languages, but if you're down with a little bit of liquid and NPX, that's a way to do includes.
0: The other thing I can think of is you can download a copy of Dreamweaver MX <laughs> 2002 <laughs> and create a .TP pl file a temple <laughs> file and that's your template yeah. and you can do that it may inject some layer elements which are not standard uh but that's that was due to the software at the time it did its best but um you can use dreamweaver mx 2002 uh from Macromedia. Thank you, Macromedia, for sponsoring this episode of the Shop Talk Show. We really appreciate it. Oh, hilarious! Oh man, we need to shoot, man. We should do another uh, <laughs> two thousand episode flashback oh, yeah. episode where we amazing. have like sponsors for like Dreamweaver and. Uh,
1: I saw that episode the other day because our new website is going to have these ideas of uh, like of like collections of shows that are related, including one collection yeah. that's going to be our Hello World collection, which is. You know, like if you have never heard of the show before, these are the episodes you would listen to. I like that because I've done that on other podcasts before. Like, oh, there's so much stuff on this podcast. What are the good ones? And uh, so I hope people will find it in that way. And that episode should totally be in there because even if it's the first episode you ever listened to of the show, I think you'd appreciate how weird it got.
0: Sort of sets the tone. Sets the tone. Uh, I'll never forget when Alex Sexton called in. Oh, that
1: was great. We should try to do it in the year 3000, too. We should do a a few. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. The year
0: 3000, man. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, my
1: God. That would be weird. That's kind of how this episode started, to me. Yeah, I'm
0: feeling in the future. Uh, VR websites
1: or VR podcasts. Well, we got to one question and none of the things on my list of things to talk about. Oh, no, we did a few things on that list.
0: Hey, it's a question and answer podcast. You picked the last not one. Questions and, we'll and answers. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, here, this might be a good little. Ender, uh, Stephen Bennett writes in, what are your thoughts on new design tools like Framer X? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, think of it like sketch Figma, but all the components are available to UI UX designers are artifacts, um, of react, uh, code, um, defined by react code. This really brings the whole single source of truth to fruition. Have you played around with react plus Framer
1: X? Well, only a little Have you. Yeah,
0: no, I, I don't yeah. have any active React projects, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it is
1: interesting. so you don't I, necessarily yeah, have I, to care about React. You could just use it in a like Figma esque way. That's just like oh, I guess yeah. so.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I I think it's good. I think like bringing, I think closing the gap is good. I, I would be curious to to hear from like it, almost like a two-part show like like part one we interview a designer and just they tell us how much they love it and then part two we interview a developer and they just tell us how much they hate <laughs> it to death you know or something not to like build uh more animosity between designers and developers but i i just wonder you know i every time i see a, a thing i'm like okay where does this fall short what what do i not know right now does that make sense like what 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 piece of information do I not know right now that would cause this to fail or not be as fluid deployment? Um, uh, that said it's pretty cool. Um, and, and I mean, I, I, for me, uh, like it's really important that designers can contribute to a process and they feel like they can contribute something that gets closer to production. I think that's very important to feel. Um, But does it create more headaches? That would be my only question, and I don't know that answer. So,
1: What made an interesting part of this question that made me want to pick it and add it to this show was the last sentence. This really brings the whole single source of truth to fruition. So I think that's interesting to dig into. I'll say I've played with Framer X a little bit. Um, They have sponsored me before, too, and I've done an article and a video about it. Framer X also has a motion library for React that... um, that, I will unequivocally say, is awesome, I think. Like, if you're doing animation okay. in React, it's free. It's just an NPM thing. Like, it's nice. It's a good syntax for animating, period, and a reason to use it at all. And it's what Framework X uses internally. It's just that I think you, you know, FramerX then gives you this ability to, like, drag stuff around and, you know, be all Figma-like about it.
0: Well, so I think that's cool then. I mean, because you you have a you're what, what you call it? You're like, uh, you're, you're already using framers animation. I, I feel like if you weren't like, this would be the kind of thing. If I'm not using framers animation library. Yeah. Then, what, then problems, you got to re- you know? re- rewrite
1: like, it. Right. But like the fact that like, if you're working on a react project and you're using this library anyway, is that what you're saying? You know?
0: Yeah. Is that, is that the make it break it point or, or something? Like right. That? You know, like there's like anytime somebody's like, Hey, is this, cure all you know <laughs> i listen to this other podcast called sawbones it's a medical advice podcast with between a husband and wife and the wife's a doctor and the husband uh is a comedian and uh so but they or it's a medical history podcast not an advice podcast but they always say cure all's cure nothing and, and so and it's kind of these like old you know old-timey men would come right. in and be like oh i got you a snake medicine that'll uh, cure all your ailments you know or snake bite and finger and you know <laughs> creaky elbow and just rub some salve on there you know and like i think of that whenever i see like this thing it's like oh we solve design and development you know i'm like mm, yeah really so there's a lot of people in that process but but i would also be curious when it works and when it doesn't and i'm, I'm i don't am i know so and i know framer is a good company so i'm not speaking specifically to framer i'm speaking mm-hmm. just like abstractly um so,
1: so yeah, I think it's a big deal that there, that animation library is kind of best in breed anyway. So, like, if you're doing animation React, like, I would highly recommend that you check it out because it's pretty sweet. And then it's like, then you've used this tool that just makes that tool better. Isn't that appealing? But I do have questions about this. For one, it's like a little bit like, presumptuous that things that you design then are are built in react at all but i guess you don't have to care you know you can just it it could be just a prototyping tool but i think the money is on the idea that that you know how literally designers have been talking about this since i ever even thought about a computer why do why is like design and development so separated there's some people that maybe are coming down on the conclusion of like, maybe this struggle is important and that there's the, the separation is valuable for some reason. Now, that would be interesting, maybe a topic for another day. But more so people have been like, God, there's got to be a way to smash these th- two things together where designers can be working in a tool and applying all of their abilities as a designer. And the output of that is not a picture, a painting. It's the real deal. And so there's not this lost effort of translation to take their work and then use it on the website. And this is early days of that. And maybe some people are actually doing it to some degree with a tool like FrameRx. But, you know, you ha- it has to be React. It has yeah. to use these libraries, yada, yada. Yeah. But even if your website is React and it's and it just, you know, every technology lines up for this thing to be perfect, I wonder what it's actually like. I mean, I know several code bases that are all reacted up, and the way their components are work and are organized, are they're full of stuff. They're full of queries. They're full of inline styles and stuff. They're full of hard coded data. They're full of business logic. They're full of stuff.
0: Or we have to do this because of IE or whatever. Yeah, like, sure. It's
1: like, and that's like. What happens to those components? Like, those don't just get to live in FramerX anymore. They're just like, that's not, just, I don't get how that works. Like, it seems like it's still a one-way street. Like, it's not like you just, it's not like you just, you know, pull your React project and drag and drop the folder onto FramerX and it builds your whole project and you, you then you are dragging stuff around and working on it. It's not that yet, as far as I know. So... It seems like a little irrelevant to me that they're React components. You can't actually, maybe you use them once the first time after prototyping, but then that's it. It's not a two way street, as far as I get it. It's not the single source of truth. In
0: other yeah, way. that's, yeah. And that's what I'd want to know is it like, oh, we use it, we started here, and then if the wheels fell off the cart, you know, or something like that. And we had to abandon it. And so now we have to maintain two things, like a junior set of components or abstractions and then the real abstractions, you know, like like uh you know, what do you do? What do you do? Like um I, I would be curious. I tried to ask somebody here uh who who is one of the companies listed on the Frameworks website uh if they it is solving all the problems but I haven't heard back. So maybe we'll get some stealth intel here uh, uh eventually, so uh, who knows so. mm-hmm.
1: that's worth checking out and i feel like if if you, i think there's people out there that are like are, like want to live this dream or design and development eventually live in the same tool and it's cool i mean if you get if you if, if somebody nails it it's a big deal
0: i think it's yeah i think it could be a big deal so and has good performance anyway We'll talk later. Uh, thank too, you, yeah. dear. Yeah, inaccessible. Uh thank you, dear listener, Good for to you. downloading this and your podcast show. <laughs> oh, yep, can't forget <laughs> that. Um, hundred on layouts. And uh <laughs> be sure to start favorite up. Uh, that's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at shop talk show, tens of tweets a month. And if you hate your job ever you at shoptalkshow.com slash jobs, get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. And um, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to see? Mm-hmm.
1: shoptalkshow.com show.com.